Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin. My guest today spent her childhood growing up on a farm and is now a Los Angeles-based hair and makeup artist for one of today's hottest brands, Revolve. She's a creative spirit who draws artistic inspiration from 70s glamour, Italian cinema, and the styles of legends like Grace Jones and David Bowie. She and her partner recently welcomed a truly magical creation, a daughter. In this episode, we'll talk about her pregnancy, original plans for birth, and how she was able to pivot when her baby and insurance company were not cooperating with Plan A. Tasha Gonsalves, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. You are an amazing spirit, and I feel super blessed to have met you and been a tiny part of your major journey. Let's start at the beginning. Where are you from? Tell me about this farm. Um, it's a very small town, Julian, California. It's east of San Diego, up in the mountains. It's like the only area in San Diego that snows. So, oh. Yeah. Like reliably, uh, predictably, every year? Every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we had snow days at school, which was always fun. There's uh, one stop sign in town. There's no lights. It's just one little tiny isolated town in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> wow. And did you have a farm? Do you literally have a farm? Yeah. So my dad, we have um, 18 acres and it's just all cattle. My dad, he just has them as pets. Honestly, he grew up on a dairy farm near where my parents' house is. So it's a farm, but it's not like a running functioning dairy or anything like that. It's just, it's just a, a farm with pet farm animals. Pet farm animal sanctuary where, yeah, my dad just loves cows. <laughs> How'd you end up going from there to LA? Quite a different <clears throat> environment. Here we have a lot of stop signs and stoplights. We and- do. We do. Yeah. I take like five freeways just to get to work from Santa Monica. Wow. Yeah. I ended up here for hair and makeup. This is where I needed to be for it. And also I just love Los Angeles. I love that it's like a big melting pot of people and I love the city and being by the beach has been like the greatest blessing ever where I'm at now. And no snow. No snow, (laughs) which I prefer. I get cold really easily. Oh, this is definitely a better place for you. Where did you become interested in hair and makeup? In college, I used to see all of the cosmetology girls with all of their cool hair and makeup. And I was intrigued because my mom was also obsessed with makeup. And I used to always play with makeup in her vanity and steal all of her cosmetics. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so it's not just my daughters. Yeah. And what were you studying in college before that? Child development. Did you finish? No, I did not. And funny enough, I just last month applied to Santa Monica City College and I'm going back to school to study child development. (laughs) Oh, no way. So you still have sort of an interest in that. Yeah, I feel like I want to go back towards that. What would you like to do with it ultimately? Um, I'd like to work with babies and somehow do something with children and animals. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, maybe. that kind of makes sense since, since yeah. you just made a child and you grew up. With yeah, animals. yeah. I feel like pause is, uh, helps me work through some of my personal childhood trauma. So maybe working with kids who have trauma and somehow involving animals with that, I think mm. would be really fulfilling. It sounds very cool and also very L.A. <laughs> very L.A. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. So you had a child. Let's get to that. First of all, where'd you meet your partner? 
we met on set on a production and it was like a 10 day, 13 hour days. So he just kept coming into the hair and makeup and trying to hang out, <laughs> just being Mr. Funny Man. <laughs> oh, it's usually my job. Okay, wait. Yeah. So what does he do in production? He is a audio engineer. So he does all the sound for productions. Okay, so absolutely no reason to be hanging out with hair and makeup. No, he would just be in there miking up the talent. But after a while, he didn't need to be in there. <laughs> and how long was that production? Um, it was 10 days, but they were long production days, like anywhere between 13 to 15 hour set days. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a lot of get to know you time. Yes, definitely. So when did it get serious? Well, it's funny. Everything with us is December is like our magical month, but we uh, met in December. A year later, we became serious or exclusive for like the third time in December. Oh, <laughs> there was this December before she was born. I told him that we were going to have a daughter. Like the year before I found out we were pregnant, I oh, wow. predicted we would have a daughter. <laughs> in december his birthday's in december yeah i don't know something about that month this december i'm gonna see if you're getting any <laughs> intuitive powerball numbers yeah okay <laughs> you seem to be good at predicting things yeah oh well so that's it and then when you got pregnant was that you both ready uh no actually we were both pretty I mean, we were surprised it wasn't planned and she definitely felt like destiny though, to begin with before she was conceived. So I was determined to have her, but we didn't know if it was the right time and it didn't take long to decide to follow through <laughs> so was our little like miracle. A little shocking surprise. Yeah. Yeah. He goes to Alaska twice a year for deadliest catch. And he was gone when I found out. So I surprised him with a grain of rice on his return home <laughs> and told him that that was the size of our baby. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a fun way to reveal. Yeah. All right. So let's take a little break. And when we come back, yeah. we'll find out how your pregnancy was and how you plan for birth. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart, literally, omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Needed, the supplement brand I trust, created their brand new omega-3 soft gels. Designed by perinatal experts, they support you and your baby's well-being from fertility to pregnancy and beyond. Unlike other brands, Needed's Omega-3 is sustainable, pesticide-free, and third-party tested for purity. Plus, my favorite, it has a milder taste and smell, perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, 
That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking to Tasha, who predicted she'd have a daughter and then found out she was pregnant. Wasn't quite sure she was ready, but you and your partner got it together and you gave him a grain of rice. Yeah, exactly. Romance. So let's talk about this. How was your (laughs) early pregnancy? It was really good, to be honest. But right before I found out, I had a lot of morning sickness. I thought that I was just coming down with the flu or something. My period isn't always regular. So I didn't really think anything of it when I was late. So I was quite sick and I decided at work when I was running to the bathroom after drinking tea, as soon as I arrived to work to throw up, (laughs) I went out and got a pregnancy test and found out that I was pregnant. So yeah, early on, I was a little sick with morning sickness, but that went away shortly after. And the first trimester was actually quite smooth. Okay. Three questions. First of all, were you doing something to try to prevent pregnancy and it failed you? Um, just the pull and pray, Dr. Okay, B. that fails everybody. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we were very careful now. Okay. Mm-mm. So kind of been that huge of a surprise. No, no, okay. no. And then the second thing is, how far along were you when you found out? Six weeks. Okay, so not too deep into the pregnancy. And then this is the question I ask everybody. Did you do one pregnancy test or multiple pregnancy tests? Ah, I just did one and I actually felt it. I was like, this is it. I'm definitely pregnant. I got like a cheap test and didn't (laughs) think twice, but I did, however, make an appointment right away to get it verified by a doctor. Okay. If your first trimester was good, then I have to imagine your second trimester was great. It was great. Yes. And unfortunately, with everything that was happening with COVID, it turned out to work in my favor. I pretty much spent my entire pregnancy home with my partner, which was something I don't know if I'll ever be able to be lucky enough to experience again. Yeah, silver linings for sure. Yeah. You know, pregnancy during COVID, did that make you nervous? It did, but I had already plan to do a home birth. So I wasn't as nervous because I just felt like that plan would come to fruition. (laughs) I didn't predict any complications or challenges that would arise. It was a little scary going outside the house. Ah, I see. Um, yes. And definitely the isolation factor of it. Cause I tend to be more of a hermit and stay indoors And so it was a little nerve wracking for both my partner and I, but we made the most of it. And actually, I feel like it was quite beautiful. We bonded and I got so much time with him and the baby. It was so fun. (laughs) You said you knew from the beginning you wanted a home birth. Tell me more about that. Yeah. Well, I was a C-section baby and... I don't know. Ever since like a young age, I've always been kind of scared of hospitals. I get like a nervous, uneasy feeling in that type of environment. I don't like shots. I don't like needles. I don't like lots of people. I don't like all the lights. So having something at home 
just sounded and felt intuitively right to me. And just being my age and knowing that I didn't have a lot of complications early on, I knew if anything were to happen as a backup plan, I would do whatever it took to ensure the baby had a healthy, safe delivery if needed to go to a hospital. But I intended from the beginning to do home birth. I have a whole list of people I don't like. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we have that in common. Yeah. Uh, And those are some of the fears of medical things. Did you not have any fears of like the intensity of childbirth and how people talk about that? Uh, I just tried not to think about it. I also read a lot of books and I was doing the hypnobirthing. I was reading up on that and listening to podcasts. I don't know. I felt like fear would just set me back. I just went into it without having any fear. I don't know. Some, maybe it's the motherly instinct that comes over a lot of women. But Are you able right? to do that with other things in life? That no. You, no. Okay. So this was extra special. <laughs> This was extra special for sure. This was the exception. Pause was casting a spell over me. So, and did you stop seeing a doctor at some point and switch to a midwife? Uh, you know what? We switched to a midwife almost right away. So I found my midwife, Davy Kalsa, and she was amazing. Mike and I really loved her. So she was with us from the beginning and she encouraged because my insurance was already covering doctor visits that I just continued to see Dr. Rana, who was my OB throughout the pregnancy. You saw both of them. Yes. I I mean, how would you compare the two models of care? Um, Totally opposite from one another. Just completely like everything about it. Dr. Khalsa is warm and welcoming and comforting very maternal mama energy just everything about the whole vibe and the visit and they're so gentle and the way they talk to the baby and they seem to really care i mean she was concerned about my mental health she did daily check-ins with me throughout the week i had food journals just so much like love and care around me and the baby throughout the entire process whereas when you go in for your visit, it's very just medical. Like, how are you feeling? Great. Okay. Move on. Do the uh, ultrasound. This is what your baby looks like. All right. Awesome. <laughs> okay. You're done. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. <laughs> wow. Measure your belly pee in a cup. Goodbye. Yeah. It's very like, we got to draw your blood. This is it. Blah, blah, That's blah, your, blah. You must hate that part because you don't like needles. No, I did not like that. <laughs> I mean, it's a necessary evil, huh? Yeah. Did you stay really active during your pregnancy? How Super that? active. Yeah. How, like what kind of things? Because you're like mid-pandemic. Right. So grateful where my partner and I live. I mean, he's had the apartment for about eight years now. I'm in counting. So we're right here, right off of PCH across from Will Rogers Beach. So there's just so many places to walk. I would walk the boardwalk or just walk along the beach almost daily and then also just throughout the community right here there's all throughout the palisades there's so many little stairs and beautiful homes to just walk around and we found like really cool little like reservoirs so many people were walking during the pandemic like there was nothing really else to do except walk around outdoors so. oh or stay home and make sourdough 
Yeah. <laughs> sourdough. Mm. Yeah. Uh, did you have any cravings? Speaking of which. Uh, speaking of which, um, I craved a lot of fruit. Um, it was funny. There was one week where I was craving shrimp really bad and <laughs> Mike got me shrimp. And then sure enough, like the next day I read on the app that it's a good time to start eating shrimp for your baby. <laughs> well, you're so intuitive. I definitely need those Powerball numbers. Yeah. Don't let me down. Yeah. I don't know. It's all pause in whatever she was doing. I don't right. have any of those abilities anymore. <laughs> uh, at some point, you got interesting news from your obstetrician. Uh, yes. Around 35 weeks, I was told that my baby was still breached. I actually found out with Davy during our visit. She felt my belly, and we were unsure if it was the head or the bum. So we decided that I should make an appointment with my OB ASAP. So I went in to see Dr. Rana to UCLA and she confirmed that pause was indeed breach at the time still. What kind of options did they give you? Um, right away. It was just like, she didn't actually even offer a version. She just off the bat was like, yeah, we'll just, you know, continue. You can keep coming in for ultrasounds to see where the baby's at. And we'll just do an automatic C-section for you. So we'll just schedule the C-section. Meaning if the baby doesn't flip, your only option Correct. is cesarean birth. Um, yeah. Did your doctor know that you were planning home birth? Yes. And she said, obviously, that's out the window. That, that if the baby continues to be breached, that you can't deliver at home. Which is sort of true in mm -hmm. Los Angeles, but not entirely true. Right, which I didn't know at the time. I mean, right. I was actually like just overwhelmed and in shock. You never even considered breach as a thing? No. Mm -mm. Okay. But midwives in California can't deliver breach babies at home anymore. So, you know, if your baby wouldn't turn, your plan A to deliver with baby at home would be out the window. Yes. What kind of things did you do to try to encourage the baby to turn? So the first thing that I did was schedule a virtual visit with Anna Veerwall. And what does she do? She basically goes over your family history. She was able to figure me out in like the first five minutes when we were chatting virtually. Basically, I was in tears within five minutes. So She's she just broke intuitive. down my whole psychology. Yeah. I mean, because there is some idea that some of breach might be due to, you know, emotional holdback. Yeah. She knew like trauma, like childhood trauma that I certain things about my mother that I didn't even share. And she's a healing witch, <laughs> <laughs> a beautiful healing witch. Yeah. So wow. you did that. What else? I did that. And that was really helpful, obviously, spiritually and mentally. And then in addition to that, I started doing acupuncture. And then that's when I was grateful enough to meet you. And we did work together. Hashtag mutual. Yes. Um, Had you done acupuncture before? I had done some acupuncture for some neck pain in 2018. Because so I'm thinking to, that, to myself, you do not like needles or acupuncture needles different. It's a little different, but it was quite unnerving. It wasn't always pleasurable. I had to like really get into the right state of mind to not concentrate on that pain in my toe. <laughs> 
Were you also doing moxa? Yes, I was doing moxa as well. And I had to do it at home, which Mike would do for me. I did the spinning babies. So I did the upside down on the ironing board. (laughs) Pretty much all of it. There was a girlfriend's friend of a friend whose pool I went to and I was doing handstands in her pool like twice a week. But Paz was just determined. She was like, no, no, no. I have a plan. Yeah. I mean, you definitely provided multiple opportunities for turning, but she had other plans. Yeah, correct. Yeah. And then uh, in addition to that, Davey encouraged me to do the ECV, which I followed through with. And I thought your doctor wasn't offering ECV as an option. So, yes, she did eventually offer it when I asked about it. What was it like? It was emotionally painful. (laughs) I wouldn't say that it was actually painful. The experience going into it felt very medical and it was really emotionally hard. I was crying quite a bit, but the process itself wasn't really painful. It was just scary because her heart rate dropped a few times and we tried twice during the version to flip and it was unsuccessful. She tried once going to the left and then going to the right. And it was a hard stop both times. Pause. Interesting. Hard stop halfway both times. Did your doctor have clues as to why? Like what was blocking the turn? Mm -mm. And she just looked at us and said, you know, like, I feel like if I try again, you might go into labor that the baby is in a lot of distress and we didn't want to follow through with the third attempt or even another round of aversion. We just kind of accepted that she's breach. And if that's the plan, we have to accept that and make peace with that. Okay. So you're at this point, 37 weeks, you mm-hmm. found out a couple of weeks earlier that you were breach and that derailed your plans for a home birth with a midwife and you're running out of time and you're running out of options. Let's take yeah. a little break. And when we come back, we'll find out what you ended up doing. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking to Tasha. And, you know, at the end of pregnancy, you got the breach news. You tried everything under the sun to get that baby an opportunity to turn. But she said, no way. So here we are. And you have very few choices left. At the beginning, you said you wanted to do home birth because you really don't like hospitals and you don't like needles and medical stuff. And here you are facing the only choice being surgical birth in a hospital. What do you do next? So what did I do? I mean, I was just utilizing all my resources with Davey and you, and I was referred to Dr. Barry Brock and met with him and was trying to see if he could be our backup plan for delivery because my OB, Dr. Rana at UCLA, advised me that there was no one within my medical group that could provide me with a vaginal breach delivery and that my only option would be a C-section. She was very definitive about that. And so we were a little panicked and just trying to see what our options were. I was contacting my insurance. My insurance was very limiting. So your insurance, uh, you know, there are different types of networks. You have an HMO. The way it works is you have to go in network or they cover nothing. 
but your network had no doctor that would do a vaginal breech birth for you. And sometimes that creates an opening for what they call gap insurance, where your insurance will pay for you to go out of the HMO network if you can find a doctor who will provide what they're lacking in service. So Dr. Barry Brock is at a different hospital, doesn't take your insurance, but he does do vaginal breech delivery on a regular basis. So he could have been a good option for you, but... Mm -hmm. The only way that you could not have to pay for it out of pocket, which could be exorbitant between the doctor and the hospital, is uh, if like your doctor network would send you a letter saying, yeah, nobody in our practice will do this. Did you ever get that letter? So that's what I was requesting with Dr. Rana. And once I addressed that with her, she then quickly turned around and said that there may or may not be a doctor, Dr. Yalda Afshar who would take me on for breach delivery and that she may or may not have experience with <laughs> breach delivery. Okay. She was then... not certain. So that was confusing and there wasn't any clarity on that. And I followed up a week later to see if there was any word regarding Yalda Afshar and she got me in contact with her. So once I spoke with her, I guess she had previously studied under Dr. Brock. Okay, so she was open to vaginal breech birth? And she was open to it. She said she had experience with it and that she would be willing to see me and move forward. Did you feel comfortable and confident with that option? No, not initially. I mean, I had met with Dr. Brock and I kind of wanted to move forward with him, but I still had to stay open because this was my network. And this was kind of my only option through my HMO mm -hmm. and UCLA wasn't really willing to work with us. Well, they provided you a doctor who would do what you were yeah. looking for. So yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, they had two choices, provide you a doctor, write you a note and they provided a doctor and they provided a doctor. So obviously we scheduled an appointment right away. And then once I saw her, all of my fear and worry kind of dissolved pretty quickly, actually right off the bat, really liked her. Oh, that's great. <laughs> like a lot. So yeah. you made a plan with her that when you go into labor, like anybody else, you'll just come to the hospital and mm -hmm. give birth to your baby that's a breach yeah i mean i explained my entire situation and what we were facing and how we felt and my experience with rana and she was super kind and understanding and gave me the whole rundown and the whole plan and she had a softer touch so maybe that's just what i was in search of and i liked that <laughs> awesome how did your birth start how did your labor start um she did a sweep on me two days prior before I went into labor. And where were you in relation to your due date? My due date was the 8th and I gave birth on the 4th. So this was on the 2nd. On the 2nd. She had done a sweep the week prior to the first time I met her. So our first initial encounter, she did a sweep that day and I thought I was going to go into labor that night and I didn't. Okay, so after the second sweep, you went into labor, did it start with contractions? The following day. Yeah. So the second, after we did the sweep, I came home and the following morning I drank castor oil. Delish. Delish. In a nice <laughs> little, with a little bit of OJ, just a nice little cocktail. And then I went for a three mile walk on the beach oh, wow. with Mike. And on our way back from our walk, I had some really intense contractions 
but Mike had to go to work and I didn't really, I was like, maybe I'll go into labor. Maybe I won't. We'll just see. I'll call you if anything changes. And an hour later I was calling him like on my hands and knees in the living room. Like I am definitely in labor. (laughs) You need to come home now. Oh, were you, you were just on your own? I was on my own. Okay. So after he came home, how did things progress? Pretty quickly. I showered. There was lots of things coming out of my body. Fluids? Um, Fluids. Yeah. I'm pretty sure my water broke. Yes. The mucus. I forget what you call that. Mucus Mucus membrane. Also delish. Also delish. (laughs) That was coming out. Yeah, I was ready to get in the car and go. <laughs> but okay. we called Yalda and she told us to just relax and like take a shower, eat a meal, and then slowly make our way to the hospital. And I was like, she's nuts. We got to go now. <laughs> so, did you take the advice? I had already showered. So I was just in the shower. I just stayed in the shower and Mike made a meal. And then I came out of the shower and I was just on my hands and knees in the kitchen, like begging him to leave while he was still like frying something in a pan. <laughs> oh, well, do you remember where you felt the intensity? My back. I labored like entirely in my lower back. Oh, that's awful. It was really painful. <laughs> How long was the trip to the hospital for you? Probably not that far. Well, it's a 20 minute drive from our place. So it felt like a really long time, felt longer than 20 minutes. And with COVID, we got there and there was no valet and there was a line and they had to do the whole check-in. So we had to park in the parking structure, make our way. We couldn't find the elevator. It was kind of like funny, but also. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny now. It's funny Mm -hmm. now, but at the time I was like, this is crazy. Like, what is happening? (laughs) Oh, this pandemic was nuts. And you have a breech baby and you're deep in labor with back labor. When you finally got to see somebody, did they check you right away to see how far along you were? Yes. So I was four and a half centimeters dilated. Almost halfway there? Yeah, almost halfway there. Yeah. So four and a half centimeters and they offered to give me the epidural now, or I could get it by seven centimeters. Because you were breech? Yes. Because they automatically prepped me as if I were to go into surgery. So it was a requirement to get the epidural. When did That was her stipulation. Part of her like requirement. So Dr. Brock is the same way. I'm not sure how many centimeters I had to be with him, but he also required an epidural at some point. Yeah. I mean, the only option for not epidural, which I don't know if you looked into was Dr. Fishbein who does them at home. Oh, right. You had told me about that, but he's also out of network. Right. Okay. So did you get the epidural earlier? So or I later? just, des- I just decided to get it then. I'm like, if I have to get it by seven, I might as well just take it now. And then hopefully it'll wear off closer to when I'm ready to push. Cause I was worried that I've like heard stories about women who like, I can't feel anything by the time that they're fully dilated and can't even tell if they're pushing. So that's what worried me about the epidural. So I felt if I got it sooner, it would be more relaxing. And then it would hopefully wear off a little bit more closer to when it was go time. Did the epidural give you complete relief? 
complete relief. So I was rest. just like on a cloud. <laughs> <laughs> How long did it take to get from there to 10? So about four or five hours. And were you excited when it was time to push? Yeah, I was really excited. What was the mood in the room? Because I'm sure the, the nurses don't see very many breech births. Were they excited? Were they nervous? Were they just regular? Everyone was excited. When it was go time and I started to push, I was progressing really fast, like really quickly. So we moved into a new room where they had a table prepped for surgery right next to me, which was quite scary at the time. We went from like this really calm, peaceful room that was dim lights and music into this like what felt kind of scary and like bright lights and everything that I described all the things I don't like <laughs> surgery table next to me but there was tons of people there was probably like 35 people in the room like watching and I remember you said that's one thing you don't like either lots right. of people lots so. of people so there was tons of people watching but I was actually grateful because I wanted everyone to like I was okay with that I felt confident that she was coming and everything was moving along smoothly and I was just in my own world. So How long there was did a brief moment take? of like fear, but that dissolves pretty quickly. How long did pushing take? 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, wow. Quick. Yeah. Correction. Sorry. I think in total, maybe 25 because we pushed for maybe 15 minutes initially. And then when we went to the next room, she was out within 10 minutes. Wow. Her head came out in two pushes. Her head? <clears throat> yeah. Pushed her buttocks and everything that came out. Her like legs her, and stuff her all came first. Body. Yeah, her butt came out first and then her legs and her torso. And then her head was the easiest part. It just was like two pushes and it was out. So nothing spooky. Nothing spooky. No tears, no nothing. Yeah. Did you get a round of applause from your 35 member audience? Woo! No, everyone was like silent and they took her right away. Oh, they took her away from you? Yeah, they took her away from me. That was one thing that was quite sad that I was. Why? They were fearful that there might have been something wrong. The Yalda was just looking at me like, Tasha, we discussed this. We discussed this. Like, it's okay. Stay calm. Like, we're going to have you birth your placenta now. Like, stay with me. Stay with me. I was like, no. Like, where's my daughter? Because I told separated? them I wanted to do skin to skin with her vernix and everything on. Oh, yeah. So. How long were you separated? maybe five minutes oh okay i mean it's, it wasn't long it felt long in the moment but i just yeah. had mike will be with her yeah well i mean it wasn't the plan you set out for mm -mm. did anybody ever figure out why your baby was breech no mm -mm. but if no. it happened again would you do the same thing yeah, I think so. I mean, I would hope that I have Yalda again. It was such a good experience. I was so grateful overall. And it was in your network. So you mm -hmm. kind of went from home birth plan, definite home birth, no hospital, no interventions, no drugs, no needles to yeah. hospital plan with the breech baby in the operating room with an epidural. But Everything went really well for you. And I'm so glad that you had a good experience. Um, yeah, she was the famous baby in the ward. We had visitors <laughs> from all the nurses come in that they wanted to see her. <laughs> a celebrity. A celebrity she in Los a Angeles. Celebrity. Tasha, you're amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I love how you just like talk 
what's in your mind and what's in your heart and just put it out there and it's raw and it's real and it's much appreciated. It's certainly helpful to people who listen. And honestly, I just feel lucky to, again, have been a small participant in your epic journey. Thank you. I loved all of your work that you did on me. You're a magician with those hands. So ladies, get going, get over there. You're Uh, pregnant. (laughs) All right. Well, I don't know if if you have another uh, accidental baby. Yeah. I I mean, the next one, maybe, hopefully, maybe she'll be planned. Boy, girl, who knows? knows? Little miracle. Who knows? Last question for you. Where did the name come from? Uh, pause. Oh, it's a funny long story, but we came up with it during COVID. Pause Zamora. Zamora is also Mike's middle name, but pause means peace in Spanish. And ah. she really was that for us. So. Oh, that's so yeah. beautiful. All right. Thanks again. And at home, thanks for listening to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. If you want to connect with us, visit us on Instagram at Dr. Berlin at D-O-C-T-O-R-B-E-R-L-I-N. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a whole lot of questions for you. This kid's gonna test my will. I got a lot to learn, and my baby's too.